Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Tomorrow's show, Peyton Pritchard, Boston Celtics guard, the pride of Westland, Mean Streets of Westland. Peyton Pritchard will be with us tomorrow on the program. Uh, Our next guest, Casey Pratt, has been all over the Oakland A's, and for good reason. They have been a mess. I can't say what I really wanted to say about the A's. They've been a mess. He has sat down with the mayor of Oakland. He has talked with John Fisher. He has his finger on the pulse of A's fans. Uh, The A's and Oakland uh, found themselves far apart on a potential stadium deal. Now John Fisher trying to get a deal done in Las Vegas. But uh, can he get a deal done? Are they further apart or farther apart in Las Vegas? Casey Pratt joining us, ABC7 in the Bay Area. Casey, what's new, man? Wow. Uh, What is new is they didn't get a ballpark bill passed in their 120-day legislative session. They meet every other year. They couldn't get it done. So then everybody breathed a sigh of relief out here in Oakland. And then two days later, they're trying to jam it through in a special session. And it is quite funny because the session was supposed to begin at 10, it was delayed till noon, and then at noon the Assembly and Senate showed up and said, uh, here here we are, and uh, now we're going to go to lunch. And then they went away for a couple more hours, and it's starting back up again now. This is ridiculous. Yeah, lawmakers. <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, give me an idea, though, because you know my read on it, and tell me if I'm out in left field, literally, just tell me. But my read on it has been all along that, you know, Oakland and the A's were about like $70 million apart, and then you got this ballpark in Vegas. It's a $1.5 billion ballpark, 30,000 seats. It sounded to me like they may be even farther apart in Las Vegas when it comes to dollars. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it because while they may have been, and I was told it was $88 million apart out here, hmm. um, when they came to terms on the deal, John Fisher would still have to build the ballpark and the 3,000 housing units and all the other things he said he wanted to build out here, and that's that's pretty expensive. So while they're maybe more dollars apart in Vegas, all he has to do is build a ballpark out there, and that's it. So the pro- the project cost out here was around $6 billion. Out there, it's about $1.5 billion. So, you know, it's a little bit different, but he would have gotten a lot more on his return of investment in Oakland because in Oakland he would have owned the land own the stadium and had 50 plus waterfront acres to develop where in Vegas he does not own the land he does not own the stadium and he just has nine acres to develop give us an idea as we wait to hear what happens in Vegas what are you expecting from lawmakers uh, you know in Carson City I'm expecting the unexpected John I know that's a terrible answer um, you know this is funny because the governor really wants this bill uh, and he's a Republican and the the Senate and Assembly are controlled by Democrats who don't really want this bill. And the opinions on the bill by Nevada residents, it was about 71% negative. And so what happened today is the governor said, I'm calling a special session. I'm proclaiming that we're going to discuss this item. And the people that are actually in charge of bringing forth the item were like, uh, yeah, we don't really want to do that. So um, – the governor has the power to make them show up, but he doesn't have the power to make them actually do anything, which is why I think they showed up 
went on a two-hour delay, mm. showed up again, went on a lunch break. I think they're at this point. I think they're at this point just making a point. They're they're proving how disinterested they are in what the governor wants them to do right now. We're talking to Casey Pratt, ABC Seven. Reaction from A's fans is: Are they are they mobilizing? Is there anything they can do? What is the scuttlebutt among fans in the Bay Area? I mean, right now the fans are just concerned. Uh, they would really not like to lose yet another sports franchise in Oakland. And what they're trying to do to help keep the team here is put together a reverse boycott on June 13th where they're trying to show that on a random Tuesday night game that would have probably drawn 2,000 fans, they can still fill the Coliseum up with people. Um, They even came up with a deal where they made their own fan-funded giveaway. They crowdfunded the money to produce over 5,000 sell shirts that they're actually going to be giving away to people who arrive at the games. I've never heard of this, John. Like, They're actually funding their own giveaway. It's crazy out here. Are they, this is, I mean, if I'm John Fisher, I see this and I go, hey, I could go for this. You're going to show up every night. You're going to create the promotions. But I understand what the fans are trying to do uh, in Oakland is, uh, you know, they badly want to save their team, not lose the team. You had a chance to sit down with the mayor of Oakland, I believe. What did you garner from that conversation? You know, my main takeaway was that she very passionately wants to keep the A's here. Uh, I said, you know, I was sitting at her desk, and I said, if that phone rings right now and it's John Fisher, are you taking that call? And she said, absolutely. I'd cancel my meetings if that happened. And then I asked her if I could listen to that phone call, and she laughed and said, absolutely not. (laughs) But I had to try. Um, And she really wants to keep the A's here. Uh, She really wants to fight for the A's. She says she's working in the background to do so. She says the governor, Gavin Newsom, out here, who I've yet to get a comment from, she says that he's working really hard behind the scenes, too. And I think a lot of what people out here are doing in the government is, is in the background. They're, they're being silent because they don't want to give a whole bunch of leverage back to Las Vegas by, like, acting desperate, like they're trying to keep the A's. So it's interesting. The, the one thing, though, is she said she would pick up the phone if they call, but she's not going to be the one to make that call. You know, she says they need to come back to her in her city. Do you get a sense that the A's are at all interested in doing that? At the moment, no. I, I get no sense. I, I get the sense that they're all in on Las Vegas at this time, and I think it's because by the end of today they could have a ballpark bill passed, and there you go. Uh, that could be game over. So they're putting all their time and energy and resources into this deal in Vegas, but every bit of it has been rushed and chaotic, and they picked a site, then 20 days later they switched the site to another one, and – uh, here we are. The legislative session is closed, and now they're in a special session trying to fire this thing through, and it's not being well received. You've done a great job covering this. I got to know, you know, are you enjoying this at all, or are you looking at this and going, I can't wait to get back to what I'm supposed to be doing? And, you know, again, you know, I mean, this isn't probably what you always did, but you've become the A's beat guy on this on this story. Yeah, so a long time ago when I, when I was in college, I was a journalism major, and my goal in life was to be an A's beat writer. And I got there, and then I realized it was insane. The travel, all the work was crazy, and so I, so I wanted to step back from beat writing um, and went back into television production. And when this stuff all started up again with the Vegas threats, I started becoming an outspoken person who actually happened to have a lot of sources and knowledge in the situation because I covered the team. And 
somehow um, all that came together to make me the voice of this whole thing uh, somehow for the fan base. And it's been a wild ride. Um, but, you know, tonight, in all honesty, I have NBA Finals Game 3 on the air right here at ABC7. I have Warriors guests coming in for the show. I have a 90-minute show I'm producing myself, and that's my real job. Uh, so uh, as I do this, I'm actually, like, unbelievably swamped with my actual job at the same time. Um, so this has kind of been a wild ride. But, you know, if it, if it is over at some point, at least I'll be able to sleep again. Casey Pratt, ABC7 in the Bay Area. The uh, Finally, Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball. They have to be weary with this. Do you get a sense at all that they're at the point where they're ready to just go, hey, figure this out? Like, John Fisher looks like a problem right now. He looks like a huge problem right now because he's embarrassed Oakland. He's embarrassing Las Vegas. And I think when you look at Rob Manfred, he's a guy that works for the owners and the owners don't want to see other owners get forced out because it sets a precedent that makes them all uncomfortable. But I think if they don't get this deal in Vegas today uh, or very soon, you're going to, you're going to start seeing something because there's been a lot of noise. You followed it very closely as have I. And I can't tell you, I, I don't think I've seen a single positive story about this Las Vegas move from any prominent national baseball writer, any prominent media figure, I mean, it's unanimous slander at this point for what they've been doing out there in Las Vegas. And that's not good for the game of baseball. And you look at the Coliseum, it's empty, and the team is historically bad. And all of this is on John Fisher. And I think that it's, it's embarrassing the game and multiple markets now. I can't see it lasting much longer if they don't get this deal. All right, Casey, good luck tonight with your stuff, and uh, keep up the good work. Your great follow on social media as well. For people who want to follow Casey, it's at Casey Pratt, ABC7. Casey, thank you, man. Hey, dude, any time for you, John. Take care. Good luck. I hope I hope you get some resolution. i like to see the team stay in Oakland. I think everybody does, so we'll see how that goes. We'll see what happens. All right, there's Casey Pratt, ABC7. In the Bay Area, uh, look. Uh, will baseball, will Major League Baseball work in Vegas? Does it work in Vegas the same way that the NFL does? I don't think so. Does it work like hockey? No way. Does it work like the NBA might? I don't think so either. I think baseball is a trickier sell. It's a thirty thousand seat ask on a nightly basis. Um, if you are Las Vegas and you're watching the Golden Knights success or you're watching the Raiders success I think it's a different animal but that said you know we're going to find out lawmakers in Vegas did not sound happy uh, as you know they were uh, you know looking at SB 509 some of the comments that lawmakers were making like you know the Senate and the Assembly meeting in in uh, Carson City it was stuff like hey um you know, I'm not on board, and they end their four-month session with no resolution, and now they're getting pressure from the governor, and they're getting pressure from others to uh, to get a deal done. But um, I think there's a lot of issues in this Vegas plan, and I will not be surprised. Like, look, what have we seen this week? We saw LIV Golf form a partnership with the PGA. Is it possible that the A's can flip-flop and end up back in Oakland? It's, it's possible. Now, I don't think the A's are a candidate for Portland. Get that out of your head. I don't think they are. I think Portland now has its, its sights firmly set on Major League Baseball expansion. And I don't think John Fisher was very kind 
to the Portland contingent that wanted him to come visit. In fact, I think, you know, they didn't want him to visit because they were embarrassed, and I think he didn't want to be anywhere near Portland. And I now think, like, look, the rest of us who were watching John Fisher operate, I mean, I don't see anybody raising their hand right now going, yeah, I'd like to do business with that guy. He is a headache. He is a migraine wrapped in a headache, wrapped in a stomachache, and Vegas is dealing with him right now. Coming up, we're going to play Punch It Audio, and I got the big splash. At 4 o'clock, Peter Jacobson will join us, former professional golfer. I should just say professional golfer and commentator Peter Jacobson, 4 o'clock. Game three of the NBA Finals, Nuggets taking on the Miami Heat. Series tied, one game apiece. Steven, we kind of agreed game two would go to Miami. Kind of was uh, a do-or-die moment for the Heat. Nuggets, uh, not their best effort in that game. In fact, Mike Malone, their coach, said he thought it was their worst effort of the playoffs in game two. Maybe a little bit of NBA mentality, a little cruise control. Who wins game three? So it's I I think I'm going to go with Miami in this game. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Miami gets game three, and I've said this all along. I think Denver is the much better team, but uh, there's just something right now with the way Miami's playing with Jimmy Butler. I think they get game three here. The the zone defense has really worked really well against the Nuggets, and the Nuggets' pick-and-roll defense was absolutely atrocious uh, in game two. I know there's going to be some uh, some things that they fix. Mike Malone's a good, a, good, a good coach like that. He will fix that type of thing. Uh, but I trust Eric Spolster a little bit more right now for game three. I still think Denver wins the series, uh, but game three, I think Miami gets it. Game three to Miami. All right, let's play some punch and audio. We'll, uh, we'll do the big splash as well in this segment. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Fish Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Let's start in the NBA since we're on the topic. Chris Paul with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, A report from Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports says that Chris Paul likely to be waived probably would be waived, not part of the future in Phoenix. Here's Chris Paul talking about uh, the struggles of not winning a championship. His kids are getting teased at school. Punch it. It's tough, man, but can't nobody ever be harder on me than I am on myself, right? And I feel like I've been in every situation there is possible. Um, I was in the playoffs when I played for uh, the Clippers and game three or four in Portland, one of them, I go for a steal my finger gets caught in the guy jersey, spiral fracture in my hand. I had to get 16 screws put in my hand, right? So I've had injuries and things like that. But the one thing about it, as mad as I, all, I am and whatnot, I cannot let that define me, right? I got to get back to work. Got to get back to work. Chris Paul uh, still hunting a championship. Uh, we talked about this earlier, but I think Chris Paul... You know, somebody asked me on Twitter, who's a better player, Anthony Simons or Chris Paul? And I think the question I have back is, tell me about the team they're joining. If it's a team that needs just one more piece to get over the top and needs a veteran player who can play in the half court and play a, a situational role for a championship team, um, uh, that's Chris Paul. Easy. 
if you are a franchise that is younger and maybe just trying to get regular season wins and you need a player that can play the full court, I would I would take Anthony Simons. Am I reading that right, Stephen, if that's the question? Yeah, I guess. I think Anthony Simons is just a more talented player at this point and still a better player, even if you put him in a role where he doesn't have to be a star player. Like, I think he'd, he'd function a lot more. They're also different players. Like, Anthony mm-hmm. Simons is such a scorer where Chris Paul doesn't look to score. So I, I don't think you're necessarily wrong, but I, I would disagree with you. If that makes sense, like no, no, yeah. I, I, the only reason I say that is because look, if you've got a team that's close, and you're adding Chris Paul, and you're going, look, Chris, here's your thing: you're going to play 11 minutes a game, and we're going to need you just situationally, and you're going to get a ring at the end. He's happy. You do that to Anthony Simons, you might have a problem at some point of the season. Doesn't it just seem like he's going to the Lakers? Like it just, you know, him and LeBron—they've always <laughs> talked about it. Like it just seems so likely he's going to the Lakers. Greatest athletes who have never won a championship. Um, who would be on that list? Charles Barkley, Ernie Banks never won a championship. Dick Butkus never won a championship. I mean, there's some great players Carl in Malone. the Carl Malone, John Stockton. I mean, there's some really good players. Grant Hill, who never won a championship. What's wrong with not winning a championship? Chris Webber, Artis Gilmore. Come on. It's just the culture now today. I don't know. Damian Lillard says he expects to be in Portland next season. Listen, punch it. October 24th, when the NBA tips off the new season, do you think Dame Lillard will be in Portland? That's the last stand with Brian Custer. Damian Lillard with a I do at the end, giving his vows. C.J. McCollum doesn't agree necessarily. And C.J. recently had sushi and wine with Dame. Punch it. I don't think he's going to ask out. I don't think he's going to request out. But I, I will say this. I think based on how the draft goes and what happens leading up to the draft, if they're not positioned to have what we consider a title contending team or a puncher's chance, he's a boxer, right? He just wants a puncher's chance. And right now they do not have a puncher's chance. I think the fans can recognize that. The rest of the league can recognize that. Then I think they will have a discussion where they try to figure out what's best for him and where he should go. We talked about Miami. We've talked about Brooklyn. We've talked about your Knicks. I don't think your Knicks are going to be able to get them, but you never know in this business. It's more about what teams can offer for Dame. Who has the right assets? Because he can want to go where he wants to go. You can want him to go to a big market or to Boston or to all of these cities, but the pieces have to work. And I think for them as an organization, they're at a crossroad. If I was a betting man, I would say this is the last that we've seen of him there. Um, If I was a betting man, I, I would say... This is the last we've seen of him there. But I'm not a betting man, and I think he's going to let this play out. I think the organization is really going to see what they can honestly get both ways in terms of potentially moving D or potentially pairing him with a Mikael Bridges or someone of that caliber. Look, I think uh, C.J. McCollum's got a source there who's talking with him. But I think you know you, the, the overriding feeling that I have is that Damian Lillard's not going to be the guy, the kind of player who raises his hand and says, trade me, I won't play here. I don't think he's going to do that to the Blazers. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's his style. But where's the right place for him? CJ mentions it. And see, I like that CJ's talking about what's right for Portland, not just what's right for Damian Lillard. you got a, a lot of national media members who will just throw out the biggest markets because they find that to be the most interesting conversation that they can have. But I think it really would depend on wh- who can offer the most. And if I'm the Blazers, 
I'm thinking about the timeline of the number three pick. I'm thinking about the timeline of a shade and sharp. I'm thinking about how many draft picks and and from what team are they coming from? Because you know I don't want bad draft picks, but I think it it'll be an interesting exploration. At the very least, if you are in the camp that says Dame's got to go, I'm interested in the future of the franchise. I think you can take comfort in the fact that you don't see a loss of leverage right now for the Blazers and Joe Cronin, the general manager. That it still very much looks like Lillard would be happy to be here if the Blazers, you know, are, are going to make some kind of effort to build around him. He hasn't yet raised his hand and said, "Move me or else." Uh, meanwhile, if you're in the camp that says, you know, no, no, I want to build around Lillard, again, same same benefit, same silver lining. We're not hearing Lillard say, I want out. We're hearing him say, I do expect to be in Portland. He said, I do. And, and it's really important that he doesn't say it publicly because it, once he does, then everyone knows he has to be traded. But we've talked about timing, right, the timing of this trade. If you are to trade Damian Lillard, timing is everything. It's hard to go out in the NBA right now and look and see what team actually fits for Damian Lillard. Is it Miami? Is it Brooklyn? Like, what is Portland getting back in that situation? Do you really just want to trade him and get Tyler Hero and pieces and, like, late first-round picks? I don't know if that's what you want. So I think it's really important that Dame, you know, if he does want out, that he doesn't publicly say it and then keeps the leverage with the Blazers because time is everything in this one. It may not be this offseason. It may be next offseason where, you know, the trade market goes up for Dame. But I think timing right now, it's very interesting to see what the Blazers are going to do with uh, Damian Lillard. Let's talk some football. The Jets, uh, how good can they be? Bill Barnwell thinks the Jets are not close to a Super Bowl, even with Aaron Rodgers. What does he mean? Punch him. And I would put the Jets. What? Even with Aaron Rodgers in last place. I don't see why this is a crazy opinion. They were in last place last year. It's not like this is that insane of a of a thought, and I'll point this out as well. They were 7-10 and 10 last year. When they had to play the opposing team's starting quarterback, or the, their primary quarterback, I should say, they were 2-8. and eight. When they were playing the backups, when they were playing Trubisky, when they were playing the third stringers, they were 5-2. and two. This is not a team that was as close to winning a Super Bowl as I think they have put out there. Now, they'll be better with Aaron Rodgers, but I think they're just not as good of a team as we're, we're sort of suggesting. Look, uh, I, I, I disagree with Barnwell. I think a great quarterback or an experienced, very good quarterback, a future Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, gives you a, a leg up. And I think the Jets have done some things outside of Aaron Rodgers to make themselves better. I do think they'll be a bigger contender but a big piece of this depends upon you know who around them in the AFC East gets better takes a step forward takes a step back and the AFC in general I mean there are a lot of really interesting teams last year in the playoffs the Chargers the Jaguars you have the Chiefs as always the Bills look like they'll be back and knocking on the door again the Bengals are going to be there so yeah I mean they're you know how good can the Dolphins be uh, moving forward, and do are the bills are the bills going to pick up where they left off, so to speak, last season, the regular season, and and are, are they going to be focused and locked in on vengeance in the playoffs? Like, there's a lot of questions around them, but I think the Jets are going to be better. I think the Jets are going to be a playoff team, and I think Aaron Rodgers, when you put him in a situation with a new surrounding with a lot to prove, I, you know, I'm just not betting against that. It shows the parity of the NFL. Barnwell says they're fourth in the AFC East. Vegas says they're fourth in the AFC. So, you know, it, it's a big gap right <laughs> there. 
But, you know, it's just whatever you think. You know, if you think they're going to be good, there's uh, the chances to bet them. If you uh, think they're going to be bad, then you can make some money this year, too. Greg McElroy talking about DJ Uyengalele, the Oregon State quarterback. What? Give me a scout on him. Here he is. Punch it. DJ Uyengalele. Now, his, he's not yet officially the starting quarterback, but I do believe that here in the near term, he's probably going to be anointed as such. Let's just remember who DJ Uyengalele was back in 2020. The two starts that he made in the ACC for Clemson against both Boston College and against Notre Dame, the guy was really, really good. Now, he lost his way a little bit, lost some of the confidence there in 2021, bounced back early in 2022, threw for 10 touchdowns in his first four games. That was more than he had in the entire 2021 season. And then things came off a little bit towards the end. But now DJ Uyungle gets a fresh start. And he gets a fresh start in an offense that's not going to put so much on his shoulders. It's going to be an offense that wants to run the football, control the line of scrimmage, heavy play action. And one thing DJ Uyungle can do is he can push the ball down the field off play action. So I think it is a perfect spot for him to end up. He's not going to be operating in the spotlight. He's not going to have people asking him a million questions. He's not going to have to do a bunch of ESPN and Fox interviews. There's less pressure. There's lower expectations. And now he gets a new lease on life at Oregon State's. Yeah, look, I, I think he's going to have a lot to prove, and I'm interested to see what DJ looks like in an offense that is a run-first offense. Oregon State runs the ball as good as anybody in the Pac-12, better than most. Leave it here. Peter Jacobson coming up. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.